Welcome to the Womb Wisdom Podcast. My name is Holly Deaver, and I'm the owner and operator of Rosebud Wellness, where I practice women's holistic health, utilizing acupuncture, Chinese herbalism, yoni steaming, Arvigo abdominal massage, and the fertility awareness method. This podcast will be part conversations with women who are mothers or hope to be mothers on their journey through menstruation, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and motherhood, and part information about the holistic health practices that I use in my practice. Please enjoy. Thanks so much for listening. Hello, and welcome back to the Womb Wisdom Podcast. I am just doing a little intro for this episode because it is a little bit different from my other episodes. So this is episode 100, which feels really exciting. A lot of the podcasts that I listen to have like, you know, 400, 500, whatever. Um, and that can be feel a little daunting, but I think it's important to celebrate little wins. So yay, episode 100. I'm really excited. And I didn't know exactly how this podcast was going to go or if people were going to be interested in it. So I'm really happy to be here about two years after I first started the podcast and doing it with my little babe in tow somehow. And it doesn't always look or sound perfect, but I'm really happy to be here. And it's such a joy to have these conversations with women. So in this episode, uh, my friend, Christine, who's in the episode, recommended when I asked on my Instagram, what should I do for episode 100? I think I asked a few months ago because I I knew it was coming up kind of soon. And she said, why don't you interview a variety of mothers at different stages of mothering about their experience so far? And so that is what you will find in this episode. So there are a few different experiences that women will be sharing. I'll also be sharing about my own experience. I was thinking to myself like, oh, I I need to get like a new mom, you know, somebody that is, uh, has a young child and was a first time mom. And then I was like, oh yeah, I could do that. So I still need to record that part, but you'll hear that part today too. So thank you so much for listening and please enjoy this episode with the women that are sharing. Okay, so I am here with Stephanie Carroll and I'm really excited she agreed to be on this episode in particular. She is a pregnant mama. She's 21 weeks pregnant with her first baby. So doesn't have any kiddos yet and I thought it would be an interesting perspective to share you know, the journey of pregnancy when it's still happening and really fresh. It just is so amazing how quickly the experience sort of flies out of your head. So we'll be talking about that. And then also, you know, what you anticipate mothering, what it's going to be like for you. Some of the things that you think maybe will be challenging for you about motherhood or some of the things that you are really excited about. Um, so yeah, you can take it from there. So tell us about your pregnancy, some things you're learning from that experience. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Um, pregnancy. So I, the, the thing I've been saying, um, to a lot of my friends as you, I've, I've worked with Holly, you know, for like, what was it almost a year, probably infertility coaching and trying to get, trying to get this baby. 
Um, so I am, I feel deeply grateful and very blessed on like an emotional and spiritual level. Um, I wouldn't say like, there's something, it's not like, oh, I'm so unworthy. I get, I'm so lucky I get to have this, but it's, it's akin to that. Like, I feel very worthy, but also like, wow, I get to do this. Like, this is what I wanted and we got it crazy. So very, very grateful, very deeply blessed. And then there's the reality of the physicality of being pregnant. Um, I know some women love it and power to them. Um, I, I don't hate the physical parts of it, but it's, it's an adjustment. And I think there's nothing that anyone can say that can prepare you for that. Um, when like your pelvis is stretching or like in the middle of the night when like your legs ache for no reason, or, um, when I used to love chicken and vegetables and now I can't look at a piece of chicken or a vegetable, like there's so many changes that you can't anticipate. Like I've, I've gone food shopping and come home and been like, I can't eat anything I just bought like a whole, whole grocery store where the stuff that oh, now I just can't eat it because I don't feel like eating it. So um, we were talking earlier and I, I'm at 21 weeks now and I just like today is the first day where I got up, had energy, like wanted to get myself ready for the day, like wanted to eat breakfast, wanted to eat lunch, wanted to have snacks. We'll see how dinner goes. Dinner's always a hit or miss. So um it's been like really great emotionally and spiritually. And it's been a shift physically for sure. Everything changes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything grows. All my, like any like moles on my skin, those have changed. Like it's just this whole big shift for sure. Totally. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, it also continues, I think even more so in the postpartum phase. And it's, it's so interesting to hear you talk about that discrepancy between the emotional spiritual side of it and the physicality of it, because in reflecting on my own pregnancy, I, I want to cry when I think about like being pregnant and giving birth and the, how beautiful it was. And just, and remembering my daughter moving inside of me and feeling that for the first time and just like watching my body stretch and grow but also remembering that it was really physically uncomfortable and same thing with the birth process that it's, I guess it's, it's just like a biological thing that you can't fully remember the sensation, the physical sensations of both pregnancy and the birth process, because all I can remember at this point is just the utter beauty of it. And I, sometimes think about it now, like, I just want to be pregnant again. That was such a beautiful, beautiful experience. But, (laughs) you know, in talking with you about it, I'm just kind of able to drop back in to, yeah, like there, there was a, especially at the end of my pregnancy, I had at least six pillows to keep me like kind of upright because I couldn't lay down either on my side. I mean, certainly not on my back at that point. Yeah. Not on my belly. And it just like not being able to lay down and sleep and be comfortable. It, it sucks. But yeah, the, the process of, yeah, it's just such an interesting thing being a human and the discrepancy between the physicality of it and the emotional, spiritual experiences. That yeah. Mean, they inform each other too. 
And like, you know, everyone in our community is so happy. They know we tried for a long time. So everyone's thrilled and, oh my gosh, how are you feeling? I mean, once you're pregnant, everyone, all they want to say is, hey mama, how are you feeling? And that, and I like, great, so blessed. Also, <laughs> so uncomfortable. Like, I think, I think it's okay that we say that. I think, it, you know, I, I see women or I see birthing people fall into two categories, loving it or hating it. And I'm like, well, there's a whole gray area in between where like, there are things I love about it. And there are things I like, and there's things that I could do without. And there's things that I'm like, oh my gosh, this has to stop. So I, I just think, like, I just want to leave a lot of space for a lot of people who are having their first pregnancy that like, it all is Gucci. It's all good. You know, um, all those feelings, all those changes, like I'm, I'm not a huge crier, but now I cry. Like that's also a strange thing that's happening. So um, just trying to roll with it as much as I can. Um, and and like finding balance between um, like, I'm still me, I'm still a human. I still wanna work and work out and take my dog for walks and participate in things. And then acknowledging, whoa, today's not a good day for that. Like. Like there's going to be a day where it's like, yeah, I, I can't do as much as I was doing yesterday. Maybe I'll do more tomorrow, but, um, the reality of the physical limitations and the physical changes and that being okay with it, it's not permanent. It's right now. And acknowledging my body's doing something really cool. And that's why we have to shift what we're doing, you know? Yeah. The massive energy expenditure of growing a whole other human is just miraculous really yeah and in the beginning I mean that's why the first trimester is so tricky because like it's even though it's the smallest it's it's the most change in growth right it's like happening so rapidly um but nobody can see it so like I'm a partnered person I have I have a husband and him not being able to see it and not really getting it. Like, why are you sick? Like, why are you taking a nap in the afternoon? Like not accusatory, but like, I can't see anything happening. There's, there's, unless we're getting a scan, like we don't really know what's going on, but there's all these changes. Now I have a belly. So now he's kind of like, oh yeah, you probably can't like carry this thing I'm asking you to carry. And you know, you, that makes sense why you're kind of tired. Um, but of course now it's like, I probably feel the best because oh, yeah, that it's the first <laughs> trimester is so tough, especially if you're not telling people, you know, yeah. that you're pregnant and you just like want to like fall asleep in the middle of your conversation with them. Yeah. It's so tricky. Um, okay. So what about some things that you're anticipating about motherhood? I know for me, and I think a lot of people, you kind of go through this experience of of pregnancy, just kind of getting through the pregnancy of like, is my baby growing? Okay. Am I healthy? I'm just like trying to get through the day. And then you give birth and you're like, Oh, now I need to be a mom. And, and what do I think about all of this stuff? And I, I think, I don't, I, I know for me, maybe I wasn't really thinking about that part during my pregnancy. So I don't know how much you're thinking about it at this stage or have you, or if you have you know, prior to getting pregnant, but, um, anything that you're thinking about around mothering things that you are, maybe let's start with things that you're a little bit nervous about or think are going to be challenging for you. And then we'll end on more of a good note. 
on a good note. Oh, things will be challenging. So I have the blessing and the curse. You know, me and my husband are sort of the last ones in our friends group, friend group to have kids. Um, you know, I have friends that their kids are now eight and 10 and I have friends that have, you know, a one and two year old. So I have the whole gambit. I also was like a preschool teacher before this. I'm a pediatric nurse. So blessing and a curse that, you know, I have a lot of opinions because I've seen a lot of things and I've seen things that I want to emulate and love. And I've seen things that I'm like, no way, Jose, in my house, which are really easy to say when you don't have kids. Mm-hmm. Really easy to say that. And me and my husband always look at each other and go, we're probably going to do the same thing. Like, what are we talking about? Like, we can't judge. We don't have kids yet. Um, So I'm nervous. Oh, gosh. What am I nervous about? I'm nervous about the shift in our house, about changes in my relationship with my husband. Um, you know, we're, we're going to prepare as much as we can for that. And we have a really great foundation. And I think as long as we can keep that up and use our, you know, community, our resources and keep our lens of communication open, um, I, I'm hoping it's a good shift, but like, there's some like, you know, apprehension there. Like this is a whole other person we're adding to like our groovy little relationship here. So there's that. Um, this is for all the dog moms out there. I love my dog. He's, we've had him for four years now. Like he's our first baby. And I am terrified that him and this baby aren't going to get along. It's a little irrational. Um, cause there's no evidence that he he wouldn't be okay with kids, but, um, he's an only child and he has his toys and, you know, I, I'm nervous about doing that right. I don't want to introduce them the wrong way. I don't want to set the wrong rules for the, you know, for our dog and our kid. Like I, I'm, yeah, I'm really nervous about that working out right. And I really, really hope that works out. Um, and that I can sort of do enough and set enough boundaries up where, um, you know, he still gets a walk a day. He still gets exercise and what makes him happy. And he doesn't, you know, think that our baby's boppy pillow is his. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like there's going to be, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm nervous about that. Um, and then for me, I think, you know, we all look back at the way we were parented and um, with, I look back with a lot of compassion that like parents do the best they can, right? Nobody's perfect. Um, and I'm nervous about can I do better or am I going to pass things on um, that were passed on to me? Um, there's sort of a sense, like we talk, talk about like wound wounds, right? Like there's this thing my mom does where, um, any good news has to be paired with bad news, right? It's sort of like, oh, the, 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 if something good happens, well, something bad must be coming, right? Because like, how could we just get good things? And I have a little bit of that. And pregnancy brings that out full force of like, we had a good scan, well, something might happen. Like, you know, it's just, ugh, like, I hate, I hate that I do that. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, how can I not do that <laughs> in the future to this sweet little baby? Like, I don't, I don't want, you know, that sort of energy to be creeping in. Um, so th- those would be the big things. Also, just like practically with my experience in kids, I know I struggle when kids are nonverbal or before they can really tell me what's going on. So I'm really anticipating, you know, day zero to 
to until I learned the language, which is, you know, they call it that fourth trimester, probably a couple months after that, I anticipate that being struggle time <laughs> until I learned the, the, you know, baby's language until I'm like, oh, I get what you're doing. Like, you know, I anticipate that being a little tricky, but in that beginning, those, you know, why are you crying? I don't understand. I haven't figured it out yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so tough. Yeah. Those are the things that I'm, isn't that funny? It's like the dog thing that I'm probably thinking about the most, but, um, I, you know, it's just, it, it's interesting to me because that's not something I don't have a dog. I have cats mm-hmm. and I was just kind of like, you guys are going to love each other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and actually one of them I got after she was already born, um, as she was already two. Yeah. But um, it's, dogs are really different. I feel like they are more of like a family member for people and especially, you know, like giving them the, the attention that they require and also the, them being safe around the child and, yep. and all of that. I, I think it's a real consideration. Yeah. And it comes from the place of my life has been so good. I have been so lucky to have a wonderful dog, a great partner. I'm so lucky to be pregnant. Well, something must go wrong, right? Like in order for me to receive this beautiful gift of a child, I must have to sacrifice something. That's so like Protestant and it's so like deeply rooted. I don't know. I mean, I don't have any like religious background personally, but I have that too. And so does my mom. And so when you were talking about that, it's, it's so interesting to me that, that I have that. So I think most moms in our generation have this sort of like probably every generation of like, I, my parents were this way and I really didn't appreciate that growing up. I want to do things this other way to help my child just have a better life really essentially and feel loved and cared for. And so I I think that just having the awareness of that tendency helps you to interrupt it. It's like, maybe you'll get into that like you'll you'll like watch yourself do it and be like god damn it and then you can <laughs> always repair after yeah. you know and that's the part that our parents and maybe their parents were not able to do that it was just kind of like this automatic thing that was happening that now you have this ability to interrupt it because you can notice it like you were noticing it already in in your pregnancy Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I think that partially that's also just human nature too, to anticipate that there's going to be challenging things mm-hmm. in addition to the really beautiful, amazing things. So just knowing that that is inevitable, you know, like yeah. it's going to be challenging things, but yeah, certainly anticipating them doesn't help it to not happen. Or like shifting it. Cause I like what you're saying, like in challenging things will happen, but that's to me feels like such a better shift than I have to sacrifice something because I'm getting something good. There will be sacrifice. I mean, we're not going to go on date nights the way we do now. We're not going to see people the way we do now, but we get something really wonderful. That's worth that sacrifice. doesn't mean I have to sacrifice my dog. Like, why is that what's coming into my head? So I think there's definitely a religious component where, you know, there's this whole, and I don't practice Christianity now, but there's a whole book in the Bible it's called Job where terrible things happen to this guy. And the whole point is like, 
all these terrible things happens, but he still believes in God. God, you know, everything's taken away from him, but he still believes in God. And it's just like, that is just like weirdly ingrained in my brain. Uh, and I don't think that was actually the point of the story, um, but it's the message that people can walk away with, which is like, you know, you can lose everything you love, but you still have your faith. And I'm like, I am not interested in losing my dog. I'm not interested in having my child get bit. Like, I'm not, no, that's not what I asked for. Um, I'll sacrifice other things, but not that, please. Uh, so. Yeah, it's so, so interesting, the religious, or even like, you know, little telling little kids stories about things or really anybody, like the interpretation of whatever the story is, is really up for debate. So yeah, yeah it's a bummer that that was your, your take <laughs> of that My story. I'm sure there's theologians that'd be like, that's not what the point was, but that's, that's what I walked away with. So, well, yeah. And that's, what's most important is what yeah. you receive from the story. So, okay. And then what about things that you are most looking forward to about be becoming a mother? Oh my gosh. I, I, my whole life knew I wanted to be a mom and again, blessing and the curse. I've had a lot of time to think about it and see things and be like, oh gosh, I cannot wait to do that. Um, and we just, we just hired a doula. We signed our contract, did the whole thing. And that one of uh, her questions was like, what are you looking forward to do once you have this baby? And then immediately I was like snuggling and kissing. My love language is touch. I cannot wait to snuggle cheeks and thighs and give kisses. Uh, like that is just, that's going to be the best. Um, it's part of the reason why I'm like, this is great to be pregnant, but what I really want is that baby. I really want to like hold and squeeze that baby for as long as I can. Um, so I'm super excited about that. Um, I'm also, I've been so lucky to watch a lot of kids that are not mine grow. And I've been lucky to love a lot of kids that are not mine. And so I'm, I excited to see that too, to see changes and to see, um, things that me and my husband implement, take root and, you know, our baby kind of thrive in our environment. Um, so that I'm super excited about that. Um, yeah. And, and I think there's a little bit of like, I'm excited to be in the group too. Like I can talk the kid lingo with all my friends that are moms, but I'm, I'm happy to be in the group. <laughs> I'm happy for the uh, entrance fee to, to kind of get in there and, and be a part of the, the mom culture um, and bring my own flavor, my own style to it. I'm very um, individualized. Like the things I do, I do them very purposefully. Like, it, you know, we got married, but our wedding was very much ours. We didn't follow um, a set parameter. And like, this is what you do to get married. We kind of did our own thing. Um, I'm having right now, I'm discussing with my mom, baby shower stuff. And I'm like, no, nope, we're going to do it my way. We're going to do things like not traditionally. You want to do the party? That's fine, but it's got to be authentic. And so I'm really excited to bring me to motherhood. I love that. Yeah. Have you, since you have so many mom friends already, have people been like peppering in advice for you or, or not yet? Maybe. Yeah. Honestly, the friends that know me know mm -hmm. because they know me and they kind of like, 
it's been established for a while. Like, oh, Steph knows what she's doing. Like, she's going to figure it out. Even my mom, you know, my mom has really helped out my brother and my sister-in-law, which is, it's a great relationship. It's very, um, everyone's happy. Everyone's benefiting. And she lives very close to them. And she said, oh, um, I'm not going to live close to you. So I'm not going to be able to help you. I said, oh, I'm, I'm fine. And she said, you know what you are? You're not going to need it. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I'm sure that things will pop up. I'm, I, believe me, we'll probably be chatting when it's two months postpartum. And I'm like, somebody come to this house, please, and cook something. But but truly, it's in my personality to be very self-sufficient. Um, and I've had so much time to think about this and, and parse out really what I want. And I, I'm very clear-headed and I know what I want. Um, and I can get it. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, yeah my friends that know me aren't really peppering much in even my mom they're not peppering much in the advice I did get which was wear maternity clothes as soon as possible like don't try to squeeze into your other clothes like start maternity clothes early and keep them for a long time like do not stress about getting back into any sort of pairs of jeans so I appreciate that because I stuff- love that that is such great advice because yeah, yeah it's really an uncomfortable process if you're trying to fit your body as it's growing into you know even just like right from the beginning I I love that that was the advice you were given and post too I mean my my friends were saying like wear them for a while after like do not have this pressure like you can wear comfy stretchy things you can wear cute things that have stretchy waistbands like you know after this baby comes the last thing you should be really worried about is fitting into a pair of jeans um, so I, I appreciate that, but yeah, not, not too much peppering in. We'll see once the, once the baby's here, how much peppering in, but I think they know me pretty well not to people at work do, they try to tell me things and I'm like, Oh no, 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 you don't know me. <laughs> you, yeah. you don't know how this is going to go. It's not going to go how you think. Totally. Uh, so my, yeah, my I mean, co-worker, and- who's a dad and he has a list of things I've said. He's like, okay, well, we'll talk six months in if this stuff is still true. And I'm like, let's do it. I'm can you, can you share any of the list off the top of your head? Oh my gosh. What did I say about, what What was I saying? It. I think it had something to do with like, uh, they, they were so one-offs. I think, I think one of them was like, I wouldn't need my parents' help. And he was like, okay, I'm writing that one down. I think the other one, um, was like, oh, my dog Franklin, he's getting a walk and walk every day. And he was like, all right, I'm writing that one down. Um, and I think some of the stuff about like uh, prioritization in my house, like me and Scott are number one. Well, I'm number one to me, that it's me and Scott, then it's our beautiful baby. And like, I have to nourish myself, I have to nourish my relationship and my partner so that we can nourish our baby. And, and yeah, that's sort of like- You are, I mean, like- light years ahead of so not ahead I maybe that's not right the, the right way to say it but I mean I wish that I could have had that perspective before I had a baby because it's so easy to just be like baby is everything and then have to kind of like go backwards and repair yeah. your relationship and your uh relationship with your partner and your relationship with yourself because you've just completely let all of that yeah go for you know pr- trying to prioritize the baby and I love what you're saying about like things that you I mean I do think it's 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 great to be 
open-minded about like, oh, maybe my perspective on that is going to change. But I mean, so much of what I see on social media and just like in talking with people, it really depends on the kid and it really Mm. depends on the parents. Like there's a lot of people that are just like, I would die without screen time. And then there's other people that are like, I'm, my kid is playing in the backyard with mud and pots and pans. And like, that's my priority. And, and I think that you can make the things that are important to you fit into your life. In addition to having that child and the way that you do it is so different and people want to put you into their experience with their children and the way that you have everything set up. And it just really doesn't work that way. I, I think that everybody needs to kind of choose. That's why I was so interested in in talking to you about like what you're anticipating now, because it can be so easy to fall into, well, I guess I just, this is what everyone says it's mm-hmm. going to be like or whatever, but it really sounds like you're just kind of like, whatever that's and it's the same thing with pregnancy and birth too you know that people will have an opinion about what it's supposed to be like or what it was like for them it's like oh well my pregnancy was beautiful and it felt so great and I was very a radiant goddess or like other people are like I was barfing the entire day (laughs) entire pregnancy so the experience is so different and to put our experience onto somebody else Mm -hmm. just because that was what we went through is just, yeah, like not helpful for anybody. So yeah, that's, that's part of my vision about this, this episode is that we can go through, you know, a variety of mother's experiences at different stages so that you can kind of see how different it is for everybody and how things change over time too. Yeah. And differences are okay. We don't all have to parent or make decisions on our family the same way. Like like you said, it depends on the parents. It depends on the kid. Like everyone needs something different. Different kids need different rules and different expectations. You know, there might be one child who's like super sensitive. And if you speak, you know, a little too sternly, it it makes them fall, fall apart. They'll lose confidence. There might be another kid who's kind of spicy and you got to give it to them a little bit more like, hey, like <laughs> quit it, you know? Yeah. So you really have to, you know, uh, suss that out. And I think, you know, obviously we all have to be kind and, and prioritize that, but how you communicate that to your child, how you and your partner work that out, you know, the values you have in your home, how you instill those things have, has to kind of be tailored to the style that works for your kid and works for you ultimately. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Any last, uh, thoughts or anything you'd like to share? Oh, any last thoughts? Just like whoever's going through this process. I just, again, I cannot say enough. Like it's all valid, all valid, whatever you're feeling or thinking. Um, if you don't look like I'm also pregnant with some other people that I know are pregnant and I look very different than they do at different weeks. And that's fine. That's totally great. Just keep yourself comfortable. Um, and, and you said some, you said this to me when we were working on fertility stuff, which is like, if you don't deal with your body stuff now, just wait till like, it's going to come out when you're pregnant. And that's, and I'm so glad I dealt with a lot of that stuff beforehand because I feel, um, more comfortable in my body 
while it's going through changes than I think I would have if I hadn't before. And I'm having a baby girl and I don't want to put any of this crap on her. You know what I mean? I want her to feel comfortable in her body. So, you know, um, I'm, I'm grateful that pregnancy is preparing me for motherhood in a lot of ways. Um, just being like kind to myself and the way I talk self-talk and the way I look at myself um, so that I can, I can share that with a baby girl, you know? So important. I, I, just, so important. I love that you're sharing that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. This is great. Okay, so as promised, here is my contribution to episode 100. <sighs> so motherhood so far. Um, my daughter is three. She turned three in March, and now we're in June. So she's pretty newly three. And motherhood has completely changed my life and my priorities and made me so curious about who I want to be and who I'm going to be and who she's going to be and how much of an impact I will have on that. All of the decisions that I make now feel really big and really meaningful, whereas before it really felt like you know, I could always change my mind and it wasn't really impacting anybody but me, especially I think because I had her so much later in life than many people do. I was able to have this like really extended maiden period where, so she was 34 or I was 34 when she was born. And so I had a lot longer than, than many women do in just kind of being able to take all the classes that I wanted to, being able to go on retreats and yoga workshops and pursue lots of different degrees and travel and live in lots of different places. And there are certainly times when I miss that, that freedom. But I will say that my life feels so much more meaningful with my daughter in it. I, I can't imagine what I would be like or what I would be doing. I, I, I It's funny because I was just listening to a podcast that <clears throat> from this woman that I absolutely love. And I, I really connect with her so frequently and just her, her lived experience as compared with mine. And we're both yoga people that spent a lot of time, you know, involved in self-improvement and therapy and trying to be the best versions of ourselves. And I will say that I think I wasted, I don't know, it's, it's, it's always hard to look back, but it feels to me like mothering has taught me in this three years so much more than anything I could have learned in any workshop or class just by being here on the earth, I feel like I was always so disconnected from my body, especially being somebody that struggled with an eating disorder for so long. I felt so separate from the earth, my physical body. I felt sort of really in my head and obsessed with learning and memorizing things and what's the next technique I can use. And really, I, I just have gotten so much more 
growth out of the mothering experience than I ever could have in any of the other things that I've, I've been exposed to. And I would say that that sort of starts in pregnancy or started in pregnancy for me, um, just the fear of the unknown of what's going to happen. I can remember thinking, especially early on before you can even tell that you're pregnant and my belly didn't really pop because I was a first time mom, didn't really show until I was well over 20 weeks pregnant. And that I remember that being concerning to me, just everybody feeling like they can comment on your body or what you're doing. And yeah, I think that that mothering is, is very much that way too. Like pregnancy is an introduction to what the mothering experience will be like in a, in a less, less to a lesser degree, I suppose. So yeah, pregnancy was really stressful and overwhelming and, I, yeah, that was a really challenging time of, of letting go and surrendering to my body being able to do this thing that it knew how to do. And I couldn't think my way into it or force it to do anything. It was just doing its natural physiological process, which is really beautiful and really cool. I have a Chinese medicine teacher that talks a lot about that, about our physiology and how we don't have to tell ourselves or think about digesting or breathing um, or, or being pregnant or growing a baby. You know, I don't know how to do that. My body knows how to do that. And what a cool experience it is, especially for, for people, women like myself, who have historically sort of had this hatred of their body and distrust to just surrender and, and allow your body to do this most amazing thing that you could possibly imagine, create something from really very little. So yeah, the pregnancy experience was really challenging and really beautiful. And there's a lot about it that I that I already forget. I sort of wish I had started my podcast during my pregnancy. It would have been really fun to listen back to that experience. But I remember being really nauseous and really tired in the beginning and sleeping in my office before anybody knew that I was pregnant. And I remember waiting until my first trimester was over to, to share with people. And I, that is kind of just like a standard thing that people tend to do because the rate of miscarriage goes down so much at that point. Um, but for me, like it would have been really beautiful to have had more people along the road with me at that time. And why do we have this rule that you need to wait? Um, you know, I certainly would have felt comfortable sharing that I had a miscarriage with anybody that I shared about my pregnancy with. So it's just kind of interesting, the the rules and things that we put on ourselves for no reason, just because it's the way that people do things. So um, yeah, I, I can remember the first time I felt her inside of my body kicking. Um, I was actually at my sister's house in Connecticut the first time I remember feeling her move, which is really, just really sweet to reflect on because it, you know, just being in a space where I felt comfortable and relaxed. Um, yeah, I was able to slow down enough to, to feel that. And it was really sweet. So 
Yeah. Then the the rest of my pregnancy, I can remember feeling a little bit frustrated in the end. I had kind of had it in my mind that I was going to go over with, with my pregnancy because my, my mom and sister had, and yeah, I was just kind of setting myself up for that. So I wouldn't be disappointed if she didn't arrive on my due date. Um, and I've always had kind of tendency to, to have things go a little bit more slowly uh, when it comes to hormones and my period and things like that. So yeah, I, I did feel a little frustrated in the end. I was doing a lot to try to motivate her out, but I, I also really appreciated those last days of, of pregnancy before becoming a mother and it's just, it's so sweet to reflect on it now. And every time I think about my birth process, it brings tears to my eyes. It is just like the most profoundly spiritual, earth shattering, transformational thing that has ever happened to me. I, I don't know, maybe there will be other things that come up as my life goes on, but it really was such a beautiful experience and it was intense. And I, I know that there were times during it that I didn't believe in myself and that I thought I couldn't do it. And I've, I've talked about this in other episodes where, yeah, I just, I, I felt it wasn't that the pain felt too great. I felt that physically my body was not capable of creating the effort that was needed to push her out of me. It sort of makes no sense. My body was designed to do it, but I, I can remember like very distinctly having that feeling that there, there was no way, like it felt like nothing was happening. My pushes were just not resulting in anything. And I think that mothering can kind of be that way too, where it's just like, I have told you, 47,000 million times to say please when you ask for things and you just won't do it. And I, I do think that it is, it's just this like repetition of doing what you know is right. And these constant reminders of staying the course and that you will eventually get there and that things don't happen quickly or immediately um, mothering and birthing and pregnancy have taught me a ton about patience. I have always been like a really fast paced person, you know, just, and I think to the detriment of, of my work, I think that sometimes I rush things just to get them finished. I can remember even being in high school and, you know, finishing a paper or writing, and this was back in the day before computers, um, but I would be like writing on a piece of paper, answering a question. And I would just be, feel like this anxiety in my chest of like, I have to get this finished. Like I can't like relax until I finish this thing. And that sensation has sort of followed me around throughout my life. And I think is very much connected to my eating disorder. And, and I think they the anxiety and eating issues can kind of feed on each other. And I just observe that sometimes in myself with my daughter now being three that, you know, she delights in these very simple things that I'm just sort of like, can we just keep moving? You know, can we, we got to get to this thing or we're going to be late or we got to be there on time. And 
yeah, things just, it's taught me a lot about planning my schedule and what my priorities are and adding in a buffer of time to move a little bit more slowly or to be distracted by delightful things. Um, this morning, it was so sweet. I, I drove her to school. We, we weren't running late or anything, but I drove her to school and we were walking into school and I don't know what it is about right now, but the roses are so fragrant outside of the school. It's at this, this woman's home. So there's, there's a lot of flowers around and Malia, my daughter intentionally stopped and sniffed one of the flowers. And I was just like, it's, it's just so sweet. It was just such an obvious, like stop and smell the roses moment, literally, And I do find that children really invite you to do that. And I guess sometimes I can just notice myself just rushing around, like trying to keep the house clean and the do pay this bill and do that thing for the house and do this thing for the cats and myself and the garden. And, and I, I can kind of get myself into a tizzy where I forget that I can slow down and do things more mindfully and things don't get done as quickly, but perhaps they get done even in a more efficient manner. If you, if you slow down and not only that, but that I'm not stuck in this like tornado of anxiety that when you slow down, it's, it's really soothing and, and children kind of force you to do that. And yeah, I think that my life has changed so much in, I guess, kind of who I thought I would be as a mother. I thought I would be a person that would put my child in childcare sort of immediately and get back to my business and my yoga and doing everything as I've always done it. And that has really completely not been my experience. And And what's so interesting is that my daughter was born right as COVID was sort of coming into the United States. She was born March 16th of 2020. And everything was sort of shutting down at that time. And I I sort of wonder what would have happened had COVID not happened, because it, it really forced me to just stay home. And I remember feeling a lot of anxiety about about bringing her into public places. I really didn't feel nervous about COVID for myself personally. I didn't, I I probably would have kept going to yoga classes when things opened up and I, but I just, I didn't want to send her with a bunch of kids. I didn't want her to wear a mask. I didn't want her to get vaccinated against that. I I just, I didn't want her to get sick. And I, I feel like it really, having a a, a newborn baby at that time was a really unique experience. And I don't have anything to compare it to because she's my only child. I'd be really interested if I have another child to kind of see how the experience is different in the absence of having a global pandemic. But yeah, that experience just really forced me to stay home and be present with her and yeah, focus on mothering. And there were definitely times when I felt frustrated about not being able to get things done and not being able to work in the same way that I used to. And 
you know, also not wanting to put her in daycare or anything at the time. And, and even now, even at this moment, she's at preschool right now, and it's still hard for me to drop her off and leave her somewhere. And yeah, just to tell another little short story yesterday, I've been doing this wild and free hiking group. It's, it's like a homeschooling group, which I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to homeschool her just based on the the type of work that I do and, and the structure of how my schedule might be. But I'm interested in homeschooling. And so I've, I've been part of this group and we go for little hikes once a week. And we were out on this hike and we had just gotten there and they we were still in the parking lot. And the kids were just kind of running around on the trail. And at one point, my daughter was just like, laughing hysterically and jumping up and down, just like so happy to be around these other kids. And it's another moment that like brings tears to my eyes. Like she just like watching her be so delighted and being able to witness that. And it was a Monday. It's like a random Monday morning. And if I just sent her to school every day, I would have missed that, you know, and I, I know that people, mothers have to make decisions based on a variety of factors, including like what they have to do for work, other children that they have, other commitments that they've made. But for me personally, it's been such a push pull of like, I love my work, the work that I'm doing in the world so much. And I love being a mom. I love being able to witness those moments with her and being a part of that with her and reading to her and exposing her to things for the first time that, I don't know, maybe it's selfish of me that I don't want somebody else to to have those first experiences with her. But yeah, it's it's been such a learning experience for me in the type of person that I want to be and the type of role model that I want to be. I think especially with my history of of an eating disorder that has been, I mean, largely based on the shape and size of my body and, and having some pretty severe body dysmorphia issues that I don't want my daughter to have that, you know, that feels like a really strong thing that I'm wanting to move forward with, um, at, in my mothering journey and also just not wanting her to feel this same level of like, I need to be productive or I'm going to be so anxious and crazy if I'm not always producing and getting things done that she can delight in the world around her and be a kid and not have to do anything to prove herself. So yeah, my daughter's three. I don't have a ton to share yet about my mothering experience, but yeah, it's it's the hardest job I've ever had in my life and the most exhausting and the most tear-jerking, the most beautiful, the most joyful, and all of the things. So yeah, being a mom is not for the faint of heart. And I hope you will enjoy um, all of the other sharings from the other mothers in this episode. To start, if you can just kind of 
give us the basics of your family structure of like how many kids you have, how old they are, um, maybe some like basic parenting principles that you align with. Um, (laughs) So I have um, a daughter that's 11. I have a son that's seven and then another son that is four. And I would say my parenting is free range. (laughs) I am kind of the opposite of a helicopter parent. I have a very long leash on my children, sometimes no leash. Um, I just kind of let them explore and um, were very outdoorsy and they um, started at a Waldorf school. And so that's a big part of just kind of letting the kid learn through touch, through feel, through experience, through independency, autonomy. Um, I just love, you know, just kind of standing back and letting them figure things out on their own. Um, So yeah, I'd say that's kind of like my parenting method. Um, so I have six children. My oldest is 20 and my youngest is four. So 20 year old son, 15 year old son, 13 year old son, nine year old son, seven year old daughter, four year old daughter. Um, and we, uh, we started out kind of, we, I, in my parenting, I would say I started out more as a traditional parent where I was kind of more strict and and very stringent. We went to regular school, public school. We kind of aligned with the philosophy of like, well, kids need to be in sports and they need to be in, you know, do ABC. And I feel like I've, my parenting journey has been a transition. So now I, I say I'm more aligned with something called respectful parenting. So it's not quite gentle parenting. It's not quite um, being really strict, but more teaching respect, expecting respect, giving respect, receiving respect, and anything that I do, try to just keep that in mind rather than any specific um, parenting method or we're going to do it this way only. Really, it's to learn, to listen, and to to have that respect. Yeah, I love that. So, and you both homeschool, we right? Do. So, have you been homeschooling together? Or are you part of like a pod kind of thing? If you can just kind of share what the homeschooling, like what's a day in the life kind of look like? For <laughs> it's different every day. Yeah. yeah. There's no, part. yeah. There's like, you try and have a schedule and a, a routine. It's like it's so hard. Um, so I've been homeschooling. This is our second year. And um, we have a charter school that we work with a teacher. So we meet up with the teacher like once a month and um, kind of go over our curriculum and what we're doing. And um, we, I, I love that because it provides funds. And so it pays for a lot of different, you know, different activities, different classes and courses and stuff that they can take um, and be a part of. We're also part of a co-op, um, it's Conejo Valley Homeschoolers. Mm-hmm. And I love that because there's a lot of uh, field trips that they plan and we show up in park days and they have a yearbook, they have school dances, they have an end of year party. So it feels like a community. Um, so we definitely get that social aspect. Me and Hendrika, uh, we've done a lot of homeschooling together. We'll meet up at the park because we'll do some schoolwork together. Um, we do field trips together. We just, you know, we we work a lot together, mm-hmm. not only in homeschool, but we're doulas together. So it's well, nice. also the days where it's just like, I'm going to lose my mind with my kid. That's and true. she's like, I'm too. And then we'll like swip swap and I'll do her kids homeschool and she'll do mine and things like that. Or so. if she needs a break or if I need a break, you know what I mean? If I have an appointment, you bring your kids to me. If you have an appointment, you know what I mean? We're just kind of sister wives like that. Mm-hmm. Plutonically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Mostly>. <laughs> Love it. Um, that's so great that you, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like 
when people talk about like having a village, you guys are yeah, kind yeah. of each other's village tribe. Yeah. Mine's been a little bit of a different journey. So I started my kids in public school, but I would always homeschool private, like um, preschool for them mm-hmm. and summer school because mm-hmm. I was always concerned about summer learning loss. And I was very like in the beginning, I was like, my kids are going to read before they go to school. And they did. And it was fine. Um, and I think I learned a lot through that process. I have definitely kind of let go of that type of goal setting mm-hmm. and moved into um I guess so I did homeschool for one of my sons when he was in first grade. He and a teacher just, they just clashed. Mm-hmm. And it was just a personality clash. Like, I'm sure she was a wonderful gal. He's a great kid. And it just did not work. So I homeschooled him. And I was just like, I can do first grade. Like, I can't, I can't lose it. Like, miss this. Like, I can, <laughs> I can definitely do first grade. So I did first grade um, with him and had a great experience. And I will say, I always felt called to homeschool. Like I felt it in my heart that God was like, you need to homeschool your kids. And I was terrified because we have societies and we have communities and we have parents and in-laws and all these people that are like, you're not enough. You can't do this. How could you possibly know all the things that all of these teachers and educators know that they go to school for years and years and years? Like you can't compete with that, mm-hmm. right? Then COVID, and I just call it my greatest COVID blessing. COVID came. And um, for me, it was really tricky because I had four kids in school at the time. And so I had 20 emails every morning of teachers being like, do this, do this, do this, do this. And I was like, I am one person and I have four kids and I still have two little kids. My youngest wasn't even one yet. Thank goodness she would watch Frozen 2 because I had 128 (laughs) minutes every single day where I could get anything I needed to get done for them. And after that, it was done. That was all. It was all I had. I had Frozen 2. And um, so it was... Distance learning broke me, Mm -hmm. absolutely broke me. And so we were living in Pennsylvania at the time. Homeschooling rules are different state to state. Mm -hmm. And so for us, it was like um, the school board and then the the state department and all the different things talking about how they're going back to school and nobody was in charge, right? Everybody had was trying to listen to somebody else. And so every week I just got a new email of they're going back in person. They're going back in mass. They're going back um, partially, you know, hybrid. We're going back cyber and, uh, or you can choose. And I just, I was like, this is too much. I'm one person. And, and it was just so overwhelming. And so that's when like, God was like, it's time. Like you got this girl. And my thought was, you know, everybody's making up school this year. Not one person knows what the heck they're doing. Mm -hmm. Everybody's making it up. I can make it up too. Mm -hmm. I'm not, my kids aren't going to lose anything on this. And so I homeschooled. My oldest was a senior. So he did cyber school and he went through the public school to graduate. That was a little overwhelming for me because I didn't want to figure out, I was like, wait, I have to make up a school and make up a diploma and like come up with all this stuff to get him to graduate Mm -hmm. legit. So that was really kind of overwhelming to me. So he did cyber. But so then my very first year, I did sixth grade, fourth grade and first grade with three of my boys and it was a dream and I let go of all of those like preconceived notions and expectations that people had of me and I was really able to boil it down to in that school is teaching them a love of learning because learning doesn't stop when you're 18. I read this horrible statistic that 60% of people don't read another book after high school and like 80% of people don't read another book after college. And I was like, what? (laughs) How is it? That is not a lifetime of learning. It is that we burn them out. We just shove them full of a bunch of useless information that they don't even want to know. Mm -hmm. And that they're done with that. And I don't want that. I want to facilitate like 
even now, right? I'm 39 years old. I love learning. I love reading books. I love taking classes. And I wanted that for my kids. And I thought being able to homeschool would be able, like, that's my goal. Like, if you're like, what's your homeschool goal? My homeschool goal is that my children love learning. Mm, Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. I've been so immersing myself into like all of this homeschool, just philosophy. I'm very new to it because my daughter's only three. So I'm kind of like, maybe by next year, kind of doing it more wholeheartedly. And I would, I just, we're, we're going to talk about this so much after we stop recording, but um, I'd love to talk now about some of the things about mothering that have been most challenging for you. And I, if it has to do with homeschool that, but it sounds like both of you have only started doing it like since COVID, right? So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe that's not part of it. Like maybe it's, it's a bigger theme of like, yeah, just anything that pops into your mind of like what is most challenging um, about mothering. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it all like the labor and delivery and all that was so amazing. My first year of my daughter's life was amazing. And then at about 18 months, two years old, she took a turn for the worst. Mm, terrible twos. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was like gnarly. And um, it, it was, was really challenging for a good like four or five years. Like mm. just very, um, strong-willed, extremely strong-willed, uh, no to everything. And, and I wasn't in the space to like, I didn't have the boundaries. Um, I didn't understand, you know, I didn't know how to like parent her. And it took me years to like read book after book and listen and, and talk with people and like parenting coaches and like, what do I do? Um, and so that was really hard, but it was honestly like me, you know what I mean? I didn't know how to handle myself. Like mm-hmm. I was a reactor. I did not know how to respond. And so it was tricky for me to, you know, just with patience and learn that. And um, so it took several years of working on myself. Um, and eventually, actually, during COVID, it just kind of came to a head with her. And my son was a little older and he was she was kind of phasing out of it. And he was getting into it. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is so, I was, you know, would yell and I just would like go to sleep crying just with so much mom guilt mm-hmm. at night. And so I ended up hiring a parent coach and she changed my life. Um, she just taught me how to be the leader in my house and how to speak as a leader and how to gain respect for my kids. Um, she taught me how to set expectations for the household and for them and just how to have peace in my home. And so that was like, just amazing. And even my kids fighting like the sibling rivalry and rivalry and how to say that word. Rivalry. Thank you. We we all know what you mean. (laughs) And the fighting. And it was, you know, she just worked with me for months on how to like overcome that. And honestly, that mixed with, um, like my own yoga, but meditation, and praying mm-hmm. and being calm and learning how to breathe, just stop mm. and just take a breath and then just calm my nervous system. So if I'm calm, they can be calm, right? If I have anxiety, they have anxiety. Mm-hmm. If I've got depression, they've got, they just feed off of us. Mm-hmm. So if we just work on ourselves and, you know, like what is trigger? Why is this triggering me? Why just stop, become aware. Oh, I am upset because they are making me look bad. We're at the park and they're having a tantrum. I'm so concerned about every other mom and what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm freaking out right now. Or 
oh, this is triggering me because of this. Like, what is triggering us? Maybe something from our childhood, maybe something our mom did or, you know, something. And just being aware, stopping, breathing. Okay, let me just, you know, what, how can I calm myself so I can calm my child? Mm -hmm. Because an upset person, you know, parent does not calm an upset child. So just really kind of getting that down has been such a beautiful gift for me and for my family and for my kids. Yeah. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think for me, and this is something I've really learned in the last few years, my biggest struggle in parenting has been boundaries and self-prioritization. Mm-hmm. Um, I, with young children, I worked nights and the sleep deprivation was real. I would just not sleep and or be pregnant and still not sleep or be nursing and not sleep and work and not sleep. So for me, that was like a really, really tough stage of my life where I wasn't making myself a priority. I wasn't doing self-care. Um, my cousin explained to me at once, she's just like, we expect so much from our bodies. We're just like, we're not going to feed you. We're not going to pee when we have to pee. <laughs> we're not going to sleep, but we're going to expect you to get up and run for us every single day. Like you did get everything. Mm-hmm. And I literally made it. I'm not kidding. I made it a New Year's resolution a few years ago to go to the bathroom when I needed to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Isn't so silly, I mean, right? it sounds absurd, but it's really not. We it do, really, like, yeah. I'll mm-hmm. just hold it. I'll just hold it. It's fine. Yeah. And so my, I feel like in parenting, um, I would, I'm, a, I'm definitely a nurturer by nature. I know that about me, but that I would give and give and give and give and give and give. And I would do and do and do. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I'm exhausted. I'm not like Mary said, like, I'm not my best parent. So then my kids are feeding off that and they're not their best selves because we're all losing our minds. Mm-hmm. And so it was a lot of learning, like, you know what? Everything's falling apart right now, but that doesn't matter. Dinner's on the table and I'm leaving to go to the temple or to do what I need for myself in this moment right now. And learning that that prioritization makes me a better mom taking time for myself. And we have, like you, Mary said, mom guilt. Oh, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. It is everywhere. We'll Mm -hmm. have it forever. But the idea that by taking time for yourself, taking time for self-care, whether it's meditation, whether it's prayer, whether it's getting a massage or your nails done or reading a book in a park or driving and watching the sunrise at the sun at the beach by yourself, (laughs) right? It's taking those moments and those times that make you a better parent, that regenerate you, that fill you. You can't fill buckets with empty buckets, right? Mm-hmm. So it's you are literally. Did you read my I notes? Did, I did. <laughs> no, I'm I like, <laughs> like that's exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> there we go. But that was. I will say that I feel like that was my trial as a mom to step back and to to give to myself in order to give to others. And that was definitely, I'm still working on it. Yeah. I'm still not great at it. Like, Ditto. Still we were, working on my patients. I was at a mom's house the other day and there's laundry everywhere, all over the place. And I was like, girlfriend, can I help you? Like, let me run some loads. Let me, let me help you fold whatever. She said, no, that's my husband's job. <laughs> and I said, okay, but if he doesn't do it, don't you just do it? She's like, no. You go, girl. I, I would so go. I would go. Gross, right. That's a great boundary. Yeah. That's not what I mean. Boundaries yeah. and self-prioritization because I'd be like, well, if he's just not going to do it, I guess I'll do it. And I did not have a lot of support in my marriage. So it was a struggle to get any type of help. Um, but the reality is if I delegate dishes to you, that's your job. And I can walk away from that now. I couldn't mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. yeah. But again, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm glad you had that realization. So 
now we can talk about some more positive things. So what are your greatest joys about mothering? Um, things that you maybe wouldn't have been able to experience in your life if you didn't have children. Um, I'd say I kind of wrote down some of my favorite joys is um, watching my kids play together and just listening to them like in the other room, playing little games. And there, you know, there's good gaps in between 11, seven and four. Um, but they all go and, you know, play Fortress and um, Ninja and all these different cute things. And I just like it just warms my soul that they get along now, not every day, you know what I mean? They still fight. <laughs> not don't, even every hour. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me wrong, but I try and, you know, like not focus on those. Um, but like, just when they play and get along it is so much joy. Um, recently my daughter with her own money that she earned surprised my son with his, like this skateboard he's been wanting forever. And on St. Patrick's day, did this wrapped it up, did this whole thing and it was just like, oh my gosh, Aww. you know, like that, those sweet moments of like, wow, like they just really have a love for each other. And it's going to continue on like through their whole life. Like me and my siblings are super mm -hmm. close. We love each other. And my mom's like, it brings me so much joy to see, you know, how much you guys love each other and just good hearts. Like, um, they just have good hearts and, um, I'm just, you know, in awe watching them be kind and and love each other and you know treat other people good yeah Amazing. I'm always interested when people say like I don't know if I want kids and my thought is gosh you don't know you don't know because in every single stage there are things that just your heart explodes right like you could have these like and I don't know that any other thing in life could bring that much joy to you mm -hmm. than having children. Like, you know, the last two days I got to hold newborns and I could smell newborns all day long. I, you know, those moments, those just those little moments of holding this tiny, tiny little gift and just being with them and your heart explodes. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, you have your six month old and they smile and they giggle and they laugh and they coo at you and your heart explodes. Mm -hmm. And you have a two year old that wears the most ridiculous things, you know, and your heart explodes. Like it just goes on and on and on. And it changes from like the sweet things that they do in and of themselves. So like Mary said, the sweet relationships that they have mm -hmm. with people. And I, you know, I have, I have a 20 year old, right? So I've done the gambit. And when he turned 18, my greatest joy was that I kept a whole human alive for 18 <laughs> years to adulthood like complete oh, right? and so now that she's 20 it's like it's like I, you get to create your own little best friends and you get to influence them and you get to teach them and they are who they are it's not like you get to make them into anything let's mm -hmm. like, but take that off the table today they come mm -hmm. who they come mm -hmm. but that at 20 years old he and i have a sweet friendship and relationship you know i i always say like we're not friends when you're a teenager but after that like we kind of get to build into a friendship mm -hmm. and you know he calls me dog he calls me bra like <laughs> it's hilarious but and we joke about things and you know because of the way I raised him we have a commonality almost akin to siblings like I was 18 when I had him I was mm -hmm. super young um but where we are today 
is in a place where he's actually, he's serving a church mission for two years in the Dominican Republic right now. So mm -hmm. I haven't seen him in a year and a half, but he gets to call on Mondays. Mm -hmm. So we talk on Mondays and he just tells me about his life and what he's learning and what he's doing. And I get to tell him, it's like we're besties. Like you call your sister, you call your best friend, mm -hmm. like, but it's your kid. <laughs> and without him, I think all the time, like there was a lot of pressure, as I said, I was 18. There was a lot of pressure to abort him. And I just think now what in the world I would have missed without him and what the world would have missed without him. So I think probably my greatest joy in mothering has been to see my children become humans, to become, I mean, they are always human, <laughs> to become, to become an adult, right? Yeah. So like one of the things I always say, like my, my greatest goal for my children is for them to become happy, productive members of society. That's it. I don't want you to be a doctor. I don't want you to be an astronaut. If you want to be great, but I want you to be happy. I want you to have joy. And I feel like that's the emotional growth, right? Emotional, mental security. And then I want you to be productive. So that's intellectual. That's, you know, community and society in the village, right? The idea that you're going to be something and not just a leech driving, you know, yeah. driving yourself into a whole, like, I don't know. I think about kids that play video games that are 40 years old. And I say kids living in their parents' basements, right? That mm -hmm. don't grow up like, that you're contributing, that you have something to offer to the world. Because what are we if not the people or the beings that have to offer something? Yeah, oh, I love that. And yeah. my goal is just not to make them a-holes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's the same goal, just a little different. But that, I mean, that was bringing tears to my eyes, just like thinking about the trajectory of like watching a child grow and yeah, the expansion of your heart that I was somebody I had my first, my only child at a much later age, I was 34. And I had a lot of I had lived a lot of life where I was just kind of like, I don't know if I want that. And now that I have a child, I don't think it's you can quite describe to somebody that doesn't have children, like exactly the feeling. But I know that my heart has grown and expanded in ways that I didn't think were possible for me personally. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Um, so last little part of this, but I, I mean, I just want to hear so much more about your, all, both of your stories, but um, just for, if there is one little like, or just maybe a couple pieces of advice or something you would say to the new mom, like whether they're pregnant, first time mom, or like home with a little baby, or even just like newer moms like me that have, you know, two, three-year-olds. Um, yeah, just advice about mothering. Okay. Um, so for new mama, I would say um, let go of the fear. And there's a lot of fear, you know, kind of just fear-based parenting and just fear as a mom and as your kid, are they growing enough? Are they strong enough? Are they smart enough? Are they, you know, all these milestones mm -hmm. that we're so concerned with hitting. And it's kind of similar with our homeschool journey because, you know, we are comparing to public school and are they reading at a certain age? Are they getting multiplications down? You know, and we just kind of let that all go. And I know as they grow, they're going to learn, you know, it's not like they're under a rock all day. They're going to learn naturally, you know, life skills and other things as well. Um, and things that they're interested in, but going back to that is just, you know, just have peace, find peace with yourself and confidence with your parenting and with your mothering skills. 
um, and enjoy the journey. And everyone says it goes by so fast, but it literally goes by so fast. Mm -hmm. You just have to, you know, people, oh, I can't wait for them to walk. Oh, I can't wait for them to talk. I can't wait for them to uh, go to school, you know? And that's what I love about homeschooling is another thing is that we get to be with them each moment. It's as hard as it is. And I know it's hard. Mm -hmm. And that's why you got to do that self-care and take breaks. But like you get to see everything. You get to see every growth, every new idea, every thought that pops up, every, you know, like everything that they're learning and growing and, and overcoming and their struggles and their trials and their weaknesses and strengths, but you're there for it. And you could just support them and help them and calm them in the hard times and comfort them and strengthen them and encourage them in the, you know, when they're trying to be brave. Um, there's just so many, you know, so many beautiful things and just enjoy the journey. And, you know, if it's hard, find help, you know, talk to someone, get a therapist, have a friend, like connect with other mothers that can help you and support you with that village. Um, but really like, the time goes by so fast and they're only little ones. They'll be big for the rest of their lives, but they're just little ones. So just try and find joy in it. Take the pictures, do, you know, take the videos, like just enjoy. Ugh, I don't want to cry. <laughs> um, and then um, do your best. You know, that's all you can do and just let the rest go. Don't get, you know, let go of that mom guilt, let go of that shame that doesn't support you at all. It doesn't serve you. Just let that all go and just know that you're doing your best and that's all you can do. Um, and then the last is um, fill up your cup. Self-care is so big and it's not selfish. There's nothing selfish about self-care. You have to fill your cup if you are expected to fill others. You need to overflow so you can share that with others. So doing what you love. I love to sing karaoke. I'm a terrible singer, but I love to sing karaoke. It's a show though. Let me just, <laughs> I'm going to plug right now. I'm going to do a plug for Mary. <laughs> if you ever want the whole show, like think like uh, Christina Aguilera in that cabaret movie. Holy crap. You will get the oh, whole song in dancing, Mary. And it is an experience. I suggest for everyone at least once before you die. <laughs> Stop. I love it. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I go um like once every two weeks because it brings me so much joy. I love to roller skate. Um, I love to dance. I love to cook. So find the things that you love to do and continue doing them. Make it happen. If you need to swap your kids with another mom, hire a babysitter, get a grandparent, find something so you can still fulfill your cup. You need to fill it up. Um, and meditate. Everyone needs to meditate. You have to just calm your brain so you can organize your thoughts, so you can get to that place of that breath. Your breath is so powerful in labor. It's a game changer mm -hmm. in every aspect of your life. If you just breathe, just stop and take a breath. Your breath can change everything. So breathe, mamas. <laughs> Love it. I think my piece of advice would be trust your instincts. God gave you this baby. You are this baby's mother. You know innately because they were in you, attached to you. They said they're still finding stem cells in babies' brains 20 years. So you're not a baby. You're 20 years old and they can find stem cells in your mother's brain. You are never not attached for the rest of your life. 
So know that when you go to the doctor and something doesn't feel right, you are right. Know when you go to the school and the teacher's selling you something that doesn't feel right, you are right. In any situation that you go into, trust your gut, your intuition, your instinct, the spirit, whatever you want to call it, you know, because they are you, you are them. And so trust that every single time. Um, sorry, notes closed out. Um, you only have 12 years with your kids. You think it's 18. I just read another study from peak childbearing years, 14 to 24. Children will block out everything that parents will say. You are an idiot. When you are, when you're, when your parents turn into idiots, when you're 14 to when you're 24. So you only have 10, 11, 12, maybe years to influence them. So you're thinking, you know, I'll talk about high school things when they're in high school. Nope. They're already gone. They're already checked out. So your window that you think you have is smaller. It is much smaller. So if you're thinking, like I said, to wait till later, don't wait. Talk now. Be intentional now. Be involved now. When your kid walks in the door, oh my gosh, hi, I'm so excited to see you, right? Because that's something that they'll hold on to. And then through those teenage years, just hold, just hold on. It's really hard. You know, they always, they always trick you. I always say like, they're going to tell you, you want a baby. And you're like, I'm going to get a baby. They do not tell you you're getting a teenager. They do not <laughs> tell you that that toddler turns into a teenager and they are monsters. Mm. But just to hold on, hold on to that because it'll, you'll get through it. And that was my last one. This too shall pass. So whatever stage you're in, if you are having the worst morning sickness, maybe of hyperemesis, and it's nine months of the worst morning sickness of your life, this too shall pass. You are in labor. I My longest was 26 hours and you're in labor and you're like, this is never going to end. I'm going to be pregnant and in labor forever. It's not true. <laughs> There's a thing called stone babies where they are pregnant forever, but it's like in India where they don't have like a first world care. It won't happen. You're not going to be pregnant forever. Googling that. Yeah, me too. Right? I was like, what? <laughs> Never that, right? You're not pregnant forever. <laughs> you're not going to be in labor forever. This too shall pass. The sleep deprivation. You're so tired. You have a newborn. It'll pass. Your toddler is cutting her hair all the time. <laughs> True story. This too shall pass, oh, right? So be Nutella all over your couch. <laughs> all the things, all the things. It's a stage. And the thing about stages is we notice when they start. Oh my gosh, you started walking, but we don't notice when they end. Mm -hmm. You stopped crawling. Oh my gosh, you started talking. You stopped pointing. Like we don't really notice when a stage ends. We only notice when it begins. And because of that, we're not really keeping track of when we get through it. Like they slept through the night the first time. And then like three times in, it's our normal. So then we're only mad when they don't sleep through the night mm -hmm. kind of situation. So Whatever season you are in, whatever time you or difficulty that you're experiencing, it will pass. You'll get through it. And because they are yours and you are theirs, you know, you'll have this lifelong connection with them, which is irreplaceable in any other relationship. Yeah. That's so beautiful. My job. I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for being here today. It was such beautiful sharing and such lovely advice. Well, thank you for inviting us. Yes, you're welcome. And thank you for what you do. I think any type of um, education and sharing is just beautiful. So yeah. we really appreciate what you do too. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs>
All right. So I'm here today with Christine Burgos, and she is going to be sharing about her mothering journey. She has three sons and two stepchildren, right? Two? Yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you can just tell us about the structure of your family, like how old everybody is. And also if you want to share any sort of like general parenting philosophies that you follow or kind of like overarching themes of your mothering. Okay, sure. So I have three of my own sons. They are 13, 10, and five. And then my two-step kids are 22 and 18, a boy and a girl. Um, I have been with my husband since my oldest stepson was six. So I've known him from, you know, from six all the way to 22. Um, my general philosophy on parenting, let's see, I kind of try to, I mean, I try to go with the flow as much as I can. And I try to hold on to some advice my mom gave me about, um, you know, things being temporary. That's something that I tell myself a lot when things are hard because they do get hard in every single stage, every single age. Um, and if something is very difficult, I try to tell myself, like, don't sweat the small stuff. This is temporary. Things are going to get better. Things might get worse, but it's all going to evolve and change. And I just try to go with it as much as I can. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Just like knowing you, that seems yeah. to be like your approach to life. You yeah. Know? Just kind of go with the flow. Yeah. My out any more than I have to, because life is stressful. Totally. So um, speaking of challenges, what would you say are like some of the most challenging aspects about mothering for you? We talked a little bit in the pre-chat about like step parenting in, partic in particular and how that's different from like parenting your own children. So yeah, anything you want to share about that? Okay. So um, I, I mean, I try to have the same philosophy about, you know, not sweating the small stuff, but that was way more of a challenge for me when it came to my stepkids, because, you know, when I first got with my husband, I was 22, something like 22. And it was very hard for me to accept that he had kids before me that sucked, you know, and I focused more on like, damn, like, I wish I was the first person to be having kids with him instead of I wish I had focused more on like, you know, wow, this is more family members. This is siblings for my future kids. And I think back to like when I was a kid, I only have one sister, you know, and I had always wished I had more siblings, more fun, more cousins. Like, why not? Why not have more friends for your whole entire life? Because that's what siblings are. And like when I first thought of the idea of having stepkids, it was more like, Ugh, like, and I, I hate to even say that, but it was more like, oh my God, like, I'm not going to be the first to experience these things with him. Like, it's kind of an awkward situation. Like, I'm just coming into it. And now I have like a three year old and a six year old. And like, the mom is different than me, not my friend. Like, you know, you're just kind of figuring things out um, instead of focusing more on just the family part, the fun part, the good things, like more family is a good thing, not a bad thing. And it was very difficult for me to focus on that good part. 
And if I was giving advice to anybody who um, was a, a brand new stepmom or dating somebody with kids, like I would tell them, you know, you really need to accept it right off the bat and then move on, like focus on the good things because they are there. And if you focus on the negatives, then that's always going to be front and center. Um, like if, if I was with my stepkids, you know, years ago, and they would tell me something like, oh, well, my mom doesn't like when this happens or that happens. I know I would come to it with an attitude and be like, oh, like, okay, well, we do it this way. Mm -hmm. And there's really no time and place for that. Like that was me being immature because why? Like what reason would that be to have any attitude about it? Like, and in my situation, it's all different cultures. Like my husband's a different culture than me and their mother is a different culture too. And we're all different ages. We're all different everything. So it was hard for me to like try to make it one cohesive piece um, but I would just say, you know, the sooner you get into it and find the good things, the happier you will be. Because once I started to, um, appreciate them for like, wow, these, and especially when I had kids too, like, these are my kids siblings for their whole life. When they have kids, like that'll be their nieces and nephews. Like that's a powerful thing for generations to come. Like their kids will be cousins and they'll be in each other's lives. So, why would I ever waste any energy like pushing them away when I should be pulling them in? Mm. And when I met them, they were at such a young age where I feel like if I had been more mature and I had been like, oh, my God, like I'm excited to like welcome this family and um, have good things together. Um, wait, I don't know where I was going with that. I, well, I just you, wish you think your relationship would be different maybe now if you had Yes, but I, I just, and I, I love where our relationship is now. I just think it took too long to get there because I was immature and not appreciating the good things that are there. And I see them and I see my relationship with my stepkids and my kids together. Like they don't ever say they're half siblings. Like that's not a thing. Like they're siblings. They love each other. Like, and why not? Why didn't I just get right into that? And that's the part where I feel sad for our relationship in the past because I think it could have been a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And it, it's sweet to hear you reflect on that. I think it speaks to your, your growth over the years, you know, it's really, and cool. I've, I've had conversations with both of them and with their mother and with my kids. And I said like to, to Jaden, who's my 13 year old, um, I've said to him, like, you know, do you notice that, I have like a better relationship with, you know, your brother and your sister. And he said, yes. And he said, like, he notices that I don't, you know, speak any negative stuff about their mom. And if they bring her up, it's like, who cares? No big deal. Like, obviously that's their mom. Like there was just no, no reason to dislike anyone or be mad about anything. Like I knew what I was getting into. So why was I wasting any time being like, Oh, I wish he didn't have kids before me because he did. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's one of the cool things about getting older is that like, it puts everything into perspective and things are like less of a dramatic, you know, end of the world yeah. situation. And, and I told my kids, 
like you're one of five siblings like that's so cool like I wish I was like that like think about what your family is going to be like down the road like this is so cool yeah like their family get-togethers when they're older they're going to have so many people yeah awesome. yeah, yeah. it'd be really fun so what about with your own children? Are there any things that stand out about like, you know, challenging years or specific things that stand out? Um, so they're all in the different stages. And right now is more like I'm getting into the uh, teenage stage with my 13 year old. And that's not fun so much. <laughs> but I tell myself, you know, it's temporary. It will pass. I try to go back to that. And something I've really been thinking about lately, too, is like, I don't know, it's really cool being a mom, because you can look back at your childhood, right? And think about the things that you really loved in your childhood. And now you have the option to recreate those. So like, if you play your cards right, right, and you think about things and you plan things, you can live your best childhood moments twice. And you could see it from a different point of view. Um, I mean, it has to be adjusted to the kids. Like, you know, some of my kids are really into sports and I was not into sports. Um, but I try to think about like the fun things that I did with my family growing up. And I ask them, would you like to do that? And if they, they're on board, like we can recreate that moment and I'll be excited about it. They'll be excited about it. And then also I think back to things that I didn't like in my childhood and I'll give that thought I'll reflect on that and I'll make sure that doesn't happen to them like you can really just reflect on your own childhood good things you saw bad things you saw and now you have the chance to like remix that you know as the mom mm -hmm. and I don't know I just think pause think about things before you get too heated, before you get too frustrated, just know that whatever they're going through, whatever stage, teenage stage, toddler stage, they all have moments where it's hard as hell and it does get better. It really does. Mm -hmm. Think like this big blow up fight that you have with your teenager or whatever, like think back to when that was us and we were teenagers, like sometimes Jaden will tell me he doesn't want me to go to his school functions and stuff like that. And at first I'm offended and I'm like, damn, cool. You don't want me there. But then I think back to when I was 13 and I probably would not want my mom to like chaperone a dance. God, no. You know what I, I mean? know? Yeah. <laughs> so I think back and I'm like, okay, Jaden, you know, I understand. Like I remember being in eighth grade and I would not want my mom there. So I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest blessings in my limited experience of being a mom, like just, I, and I think also because partially because I became a mom older when I was older that I, I can just like feel what she's feeling. And, you know, like in those like tantrum moments, I'm like, I remember being like that. I remember feeling that and like what did I want in that moment and like I'm not perfect like sometimes I get frustrated but a lot of the times I'm just like she just wants a hug you know like yeah. and yeah I just I think about like what a gift it is to be able to give I mean there's like grief that I didn't receive that but there's also yeah it's just like a I, I feel grateful that I get to bestow that upon another person yeah. you know just really really cool 
Yeah. But I, I've heard the teenage years are offer a fair amount of challenge. So, Ugh. but you know, we were also challenging. So, you know, you gotta I was about thinking that. today, I mean, I'm getting off track, but I was, I, it's just strange that I was thinking about today when I can't remember exactly what, I think it was like, I had one of those parties at my parents' house <laughs> and my dad got really mad at me. And then I like ran away to your house and yep. I was thinking about that and, and just like thinking about myself in that perspective as the parent of like, you can't do that. That's not safe. This is like our home. Like you can't act like this. Yeah. And, and just like the, the level of frustration that he must've felt that this like little brat was just like, I can do whatever I want, you know? And that was very, that's such like a teenage mentality. And, and then like, and I, so I'm just like picturing like my daughter being like this and then like running away and then feeling like, you know, like, I, I don't know. It's just like parenting is, is not for the faint of heart. For sure. Definitely not. It's just such like, such an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. And I think that's just good advice to live by. Like if you just stop and remember that you were all these ages, like every age your child is going to be, you were also that age. Think back to what you were like. And, you know, like my husband and I grew up very, very different. So he's like, he's in the city. I was in the country, like different nationalities, different everything. Parents, very different. Um, and if we both stop and talk together and think about like, okay, well, what were you like at this age? And what would you have wanted? Well, what was I like at this age? And what I have wanted? And the answer is probably somewhere in between, you know, but it just brings that understanding to the front and makes things a lot easier. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if like, my mom did that. I wonder if that was her philosophy, if she was thinking like, I wonder what I did at this age. But nobody, a teenager does not want to hear that either. So a lot of it is just quiet. Like Jaden doesn't want to hear that. I just it's just my time to stop and think about it. And then I plan my next move with him. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know that they, I think they do kind of prefer that you're like available, but not like on top of them kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, anything else you want to share around challenges? Um, Not really. I mean, be prepared for challenges because they are going to come. Um, give yourself a timeout maybe before you do anything that you might or do anything or say anything that you might regret that you might not want would have wanted for yourself. Like picture your mom screaming certain things in your face. You probably wouldn't want that. So mm -hmm. think about that. Um, specific challenges. I really can't think of any specific challenges. It's just, it's going to be hard. Give yourself a break. Try not to sweat the small stuff. Appreciate the family that you have. You know, like there's a lot of times where I tell myself like, oh my God, this is so hard. I have like 47 cents in my bank account and like all these kids and now there's friends are coming over. They want to eat. Like, how am I going to figure this out? You know, but I will. I will figure it out. <laughs> Believe in yourself. It's going to get hard. It's going to get easy. But like I have a healthy family. And 
I feel like I can do anything with that, you know, mm-hmm. and I have some with my family, but I'm really lucky and blessed with what I have. And I try to remind myself that too, when things are hard. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So now we can talk about um, some of the things that create the most joy for you in parenting, mothering, um, you know, maybe especially things that you wouldn't have been able to experience if you didn't have children. I just really love the idea of getting to relive the fun things of my childhood and getting to connect with my kids like that. Like I can remember certain vacations that my parents took us on. And then like this year, actually in June, we're going to Jamaica, all of us together. And like, that's such a thrill to get to take my family, my little family on a vacation that like my parents did that to me. And I remember it. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just, it's, you get to recreate all the fun stuff and you're going to deal with the bad stuff too, but what a joy, like to get to be kind of like the boss of your family and figure out what's going to go on and watch it happen. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I would say that's one of my you know, like when I'm making decisions for what we're doing, and obviously I still have a lot of control because Malia can't like always tell me like exactly what she's wanting to do and doesn't know like all of the possibilities either. Um, But yeah, like when she asked me to go somewhere and she's like so excited to go, I just, I mean, I could like cry just thinking about that, like how special that is to know, to like be able to remember that child like the the experience of that level of joy when you have like no other responsibilities or stressors of just like like we go to this this farm and like when we go there and she's like seeing the animals and like petting the baby goats she's just like pure happiness joy like so like I don't know. Yeah. I mean that, and, and it's not something like as somebody that wasn't really sure I wanted to be a mom is something that I can't, I I just, yeah, I don't want to sound like everybody should have kids, but I would have really missed out on not being able to experience what it's like to watch the world through the eyes of your child. Yeah. 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 So any other like words of wisdom about mothering or anything um, about like birthing or anything? Um, Just go with it. Even when I started with the birthing, like when I had my first son, like I didn't see it happening in a C-section. I didn't see like you know, I, I wasn't married. I didn't even like have my own house place to live, but I just went with it and it went to a pretty good place. <laughs> yeah. Roll with the like, punches. I didn't trust myself as much as I should have back then, but now like that's trust yourself, go with it, enjoy what you can take a breath when you can, <laughs> but it really happens so fast. Like I can't, my son's about to be in high school, high school. Like, yeah. It goes by so fast. Enjoy every moment. I saw something online that said, and I'm probably getting the the numbers wrong, but like by the time your kid is 18, you've already spent 95% of the the time that you're ever going to spend with them. Like, isn't that crazy to think about? Yes. 
And so how often do you see your mom now? Face What's to that? face. How often do you see your mom now? Yeah, face hardly to face? ever. Yeah. Back, so enjoy that time. It goes by fast. Yeah. You're going to miss it. People are going to miss it. Like there's going to be times where you can't sleep at night because your kid is little, your kid is sick, whatever that sucks, but there will be a time where you will miss it a hundred percent. So if you can try to keep that in your mind, like this is tough right now, but one day my house is going to be silent. One day someone's not going to be saying mommy, mommy, mommy a thousand times, you know, like hold on to those times because they don't last long. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Live to be years old. Like, I mean, you only have those 18 years. And by the time they're 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, their friends are their whole life. So mm -hmm. enjoy it while you are still like the star of their life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who probably like you are everything, you know, and that will go away because that's just life. But when if you just hold on to that moment of her being excited about things and looking at you like that you know, savor that, remember that, keep that in your brain. Yeah. Like bringing tears to my eyes. I'm like super weepy today anyway, but, oh. but yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with somebody that you think might benefit from hearing some of the information that was shared here today. If you're interested in finding more about me, you can find me on my website at rosebudwellness.com, on Instagram at rosebud underscore wellness, or on Facebook at the Rosebud Wellness community. Also, if you're feeling called to leave a, a rating or writing a review, that would be amazing. It really helps to get the podcast out to more listeners. Thanks so much for listening and until next time.